Welcome back to another episode of Vikings Happy Hour. We're here to break down the TJ Hawkinson trade, look at some of the vets that are uh, kind of revitalizing their career this season, and then also point out the problem children in Greg Joseph and Ed Ingram and how we're going to solve that moving forward. So grab your Lake Monster beer and enjoy the show. Welcome to Vikings Happy Hour, where we mix our favorite beverage and talk of your Minnesota Vikings. Skull! Let's go. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Vikings Happy Hour. Tonight, joined by Ryan, Miles, and Dave, the OG crew that you you see every week. And, and we don't have a lot of time to waste here with introductions. Uh, the Vikings made a huge move yesterday in a, in a move that... You know, we typically have not seen from this regime, and maybe that's just because we've, you know, been dealt with Rick Spielman the past handful of years. But Kwesi, you know, he 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 sent a message to this team: we're all in, sending a second and a third round draft pick for T.J. Hawkinson, a fourth and a conditional fourth back to the Vikings, and uh, it comes at a timely uh, point in the season, right? With Irv Smith just going down uh, with a, an alleged ankle injury. TBD on how long that's supposed to keep them sidelined, but also the Vikings are in six and one and in the driver's seat to, to really take hold of the NFC North. So miles, I'm going to throw it to you first. What are your thoughts? What were, what was your initial reaction when you heard the news and what are your thoughts on how this is going to help the Vikings? Yeah. My initial thought was, Holy shit. <laughs> I just didn't expect <laughs> like two, like, well, two things, right? It was the inner inner division, Trade again with the Lions, another big trade with the between the Vikings and Lions, which I, we've talked about this when the, when the Vikings traded with the Lions back in the draft. I have no issues trading in or within the division. They did it with the Packers too, right? So if you find the right deal, there's no reason you shouldn't, um, especially if you're crazy. Like if you're acquiring assets and talent, um, like like a TJ Hawkinson, go for it. Um, but then the second thing that that brought to my mind was, well, I I had three thoughts. First, holy shit! I, like I, I can't believe they they like made this move. Um, the second was how bad is Irv Smith hurt? Um, just because I I didn't I didn't expect tight end to be a priority, um, and I don't think tight end was a priority until um, the Irv Smith injury came back as serious as it did. That doesn't mean they weren't exploring these these scenarios, but I think, in my honest opinion, I think wide receiver was was going to be the plan, and then Irv Smith got hurt for you know eight to ten plus weeks. And so Quazy decided, hey, let's let's grab that idea and let's focus on the short and long term solution at tight end. And I think that's what this is. And then the third thing for me was, um, this dude's pretty good. <laughs> like, um, yeah. TJ Hawkins is a really good player. Um, he's for me like there's obviously the uh, the upper echelon tight ends, right? There's Mark Andrews, there's Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, like there's Darren Waller when he's healthy. Like those guys are kind of the that like initial upper tier. I'll, I'll kind of drop. Darren Waller down just because of the injuries, but like those three guys are usually like kind of like the the core like elite players at the position in, in football. And then right below that tier is the TJ Hawkinsons, Dallas Goddard's, um, you know Darren Waller's. Um, I'm probably missing somebody that's not uh, 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 Zach Ertz. Like those those types yeah. of guys are right below that. And I so for me, I love that about a TJ Hawkinson is he's only 25 years old. He's um, under contract through next year. At a fairly reasonable number, nine you know nine million dollars for a, a really good tight young emerging tight end, um, and then we see tight ends 
they he's like TJ Hawkinson is starting to hit that like ascension, uh, ascension right now into his prime where we saw guys like Travis Kelsey, we saw George Kittle, like those guys really started to hit their strides right around this time in their careers. So to really see them, to really see TJ Hawkinson get a chance on a team that needs a num- number true number two weapon, um, this, this is really big in my opinion because um, I, I'm a little saddened in the fact that you're not getting TJ Hawkinson and another wide receiver. You're getting TJ Hawkinson as kind of like the, the Irv Smith replacement. Yes, I think he's the he's an upgrade over Irv Smith, so that, and I think he's better like as an overall tight end and um, can stretch the field a little bit better than Irv Smith can. Um, he has like 15 yards per catch so far this year, but um, I'm just a little. I'm not disappointed. It just sucks that um, it'll be. I was hoping the all. I don't. It's hard to call this an all-in move in this in the sense that you're having to replace an injured player with Hawkinson instead of adding an additional piece to the offense, but. All in all, I'm still super excited about it because T.J. Hawkinson's a really good player, and I think he can take this tight end position group and that and like the middle of the field to, an, to the next level for this offense. Ryan, two questions for you, quick. Then, are are you okay with the compensation that they gave up for him? And additionally, do you think they make this move without an Irv Smith injury? Um, I'll answer the, I'll answer the second one first because I'm not 100 percent sure if they do like like Miles said. I think there was a lot of chatter out there about the Vikings uh, yeah. poking around that wide receiver. Um, and, and I, I mean, we heard reports on Claypool. We heard reports on Brandon Cooks. Um, I think Judy. There there was reports out there um, that that we are looking at some of those guys. So I don't know if we make this move without it. And I'm actually I've been disappointed with her. Um, just, uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I, and I rightfully like him so. As, yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, he's a likable personality. I love the energy he brought when he was healthy. He just had a hard time staying healthy. He had some concentration issues, which, you know, it's, you know, it's NFL football. It's really hard to play at a high level, but you know, you, you wish that he makes some of those catches that Eagles game drop is the most relevant one, right? Uh, you, you make that catch. We believe, uh, that's a catch that TJ Hawkinson will make. And, and that maybe that changes the outlook of that game. Maybe not. We still got work, but you know, maybe, maybe it does. Right. So, um, so I, I'm not hundred percent sure. Now talking on the compensation piece, um, I don't think it's a bad, a bad compensation, uh, price to pay for him. And, and the reason why is because of those fourths we got back or fourth and fifth that we got back, depending on uh, hopefully if we win this playoff game, but that's the stipulation on the, uh, the fourth becoming a fifth. But, um, because when, when you look at any chart, uh, most of the charts, right, we might have overpaid a little bit, but, you know, most charts are saying basically it was the equivalent of, of giving up a six or a fifth round pick for him. I know it seems way worse because it's a second and a third, but when you, uh, when you do like the data points that they say and, and the calculations of how much each of these picks are worth based on a value chart, I, 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 Luke Braun, actually a friend of the show, he, uh, I think it was Luke Braun, no, Matt Freeze uh, put out a really good like explanation of all the the value based charts there and kind of showing mm-hmm. what the value was and it ended up being basically like a, I think it was a sixth or a fifth round pick which I'm sure all of us would be ecstatic to to just send a singular fifth or sixth for him so <laughs> and, and again and I think that he um, uh, to M- Miles's point he he is a game changer and to everything that Herb Smith does he does better. 
He's a little bit healthier. He, he does get nicked up quite a bit too, but he seemed to be a little bit healthier overall and he's a mm-hmm. better blocker. And that's, and that's a huge thing for this offense is that ability not only to go out and, and run some uh, routes and, and catch the ball, but also can you inline block? And that's something Herb was okay at. Hawkinson's much better. Yeah, there's some, uh, in, by the way, Dave, I don't know if you saw Miles's chat, but uh, there, there's something he wants to touch on uh, if, if he can take a look at that. But the other thing that I want to talk about with this Hawkinson trade is, so it, it's not only a move for right now, but they've, like, I don't anticipate Hawkinson, like, being out of the, the, the picture in a, here in a couple of years. Like, he's under team control through next year. Um Miles, I don't remember the number off off the top of my head. What you you mentioned that franchise tagging a tight end is is relatively cheap, correct? I don't know if you know the number yeah, off the so top we'll, of your head. Yeah, so after so the the twenty twenty three offseason, it should be right around ten uh, ish. I think the transition tags like ten million, and I think the franchise tags like twelve. And obviously, that number will go up into twenty twenty four, but. By that by that point, you, if if you don't have if you don't have an extension done with Hawkinson, then you you still could potentially franchise tag him. So that that option's on the table because, yes, it might be a little bit expensive, but Hawkinson at his age, you know, at that point, it'd probably be worth franchise tagging that type of player, you know, in two years. And so that it just puts another thing in your back pocket in case you need it. Obviously, you would like crazy crazy made this move in in the hopes that you know Hawkinson's here long term. Um, beyond just the, the fifth year option next year, so I, I think that's obvious. But they do have the the franchise tag in their back pocket, which I think they're very much will be open to using if they need to. Well, let's let's talk about Quasi for a second because in his early Vikings tenure as GM, uh, he's been nothing but well calculated, aggressive um, in in really bringing in. I don't have the tweet in front of me, but someone laid it out perfect. I think it was 11 players for under $25 million total against the cap. Um, And these aren't just like scrubs either. These are people who are contributing for our team. When you think about, I'm not granted this first example is not going to be a good one, but a seventh round draft pick for Nick Mullins, right? To really solidify that backup quarterback position. Uh, A sixth round pick. Why why isn't that a good example though? I mean, it's an important Piece. I was just and, saying, like, contributing-wise. Yeah. Sure, sure. But, I mean, yeah, hey, yeah, that yeah. provides us a little bit of, you know, safety net. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then, But you also have, like, you know, we might see him soon, right? Uh, or not, sorry, I misspoke here. But a sixth-round pick for Ross Blacklock. Um, moved Jesse Davis, right, a crowded guard room. Moved him for a seventh-round pick, so got that back you know, address the wide receiver depth after Olabisi went down for a fourth and a seventh for, for Jalen Rager. And then yesterday's move with TJ Hawkinson. So at what point do we start to say like, you know, Quasi's the guy and, and maybe we, is it too soon to start talking about building this man, a statue outside TCO? <laughs> it is. Yeah, well, maybe a little. well, of course it is. Well, so Matt, we were talking, we were talking, you know, we were talking earlier today. One thing that gets thrown around because we've heard from Quasey when he first came in was he wanted to make this a competitive rebuilding team. Like his process was competitive rebuilding. And I think, I think we called some, some bullshit on some of it just because we saw him running it back with a lot of the players that hadn't, you know, from the team, from the last regime and the old, the aging vets and those things. And um, I, I myself even said, like, I I call, I kind of call bullshit on that competitive rebuild. 
But the trades and the draft is exactly where he's been competitive rebuilding this team and this roster and revamping mm-hmm. this roster. And I think it kind of gets missed. Um, so obviously, you talk about let's start. We'll start with the draft. Um, he focused on the draft on on trading back. That was the high priority. But not just to trade back, just to trade back, but to trade back to get to collect day two picks. And day two picks help build rebuild a roster quickly because um, they're talented players. You know, they're you know got four years of, of team control um, while you develop them. But you also have those guys that are they're they're fairly. It should be fairly talented. Obviously, not every every guy always hits, but the more the more swings that you get in those in those range, um, the better options. And so um, that was the first start for me was when he did that. And then besides the Nick Mullins um, trade, which was just a conditional seventh, all the other trades that Quasi has made have been about haven't been rental trades. They've been long term viewpoints uh, in helping revamp the roster, the long term. Um, so yeah. obviously we got the TJ Hawkinson move today, uh, yesterday. We have the um, the Jalen Rager move, which is another guy who who at least will, will for sure be on the roster next year. You know, you have um, Ross Blacklock, same thing. He'll be on the roster next year as well. Um, and then you look at a guy like Johnny Munt this is, and, and Chris Reed, two two free agent signings, really low-key moves. And I, Chris Reed's been inactive, but I still think he's a quality depth piece. Both of those guys are on the roster next year as well for vet minimum yeah. deals. Johnny Munt's been a, a good quality tight end, too, for this team, um, a good blocker. And I think, you know, he's a decent receiver or whatever, right? Um, so you have that solidified, long, you know, for the next couple of years. And then Chris Reed, who is – um, has a has a experience at both guard positions and a little bit of center, um, you know, between ne- na- this year and next year. So you have those guys. It it wasn't just about loading up for now. Quazy made sure the moves he made were about the future. And then obviously you add like to Darius Smith. That was arguably the best contract we've seen in free agency this year. And what you you talk about his play, and then you talk about the controllability that the team has moving forward with that contract. So um, really excited to see crazy like rebuild and revamp the roster on the fly because he knows that he has some of these aging vets that they're they're going to age out you know at some point Harrison Smith's going to decline Adam Thielen we're seeing a little bit of it like some of those guys um older guys like Eric Hendricks Dalvin Cook those guys and even Kirk Cousins to a degree like those guys will eventually start phasing out and you can see crazy starting to prepare for that so that they don't have to completely revamp the entire roster they're starting that process already and so that that part for me, I really enjoy. I think that that should be taken into account. Ryan, you've brought that up before, right? Especially as it pertains to the draft in Quasi's forward thinking about the positions that he took this past year and the correlating aging vet that comes along with it. Yeah, yeah, and and this Hawkinson move is another another case of that, right? Like people are saying this is an all-in move. This is a competitive rebuild move. I, I know that we kind of made fun of that term earlier in, in the offseason, but it's exactly what it is. That move allows you to stay competitive with a 6-1 football team, but it's also part of the rebuild. We needed a tight end, a tight end for the long-term future, and that's what we're getting mm-hmm. out of TJ Hawkinson with, again, like we have mentioned multiple times, um, a year and a half of, of free con- – not free, but a year and a half of control um, with the ability to franchise tag beyond that if we needed to. And hopefully we'll work out a deal so we don't necessarily need to have a what is it nine million dollar cap hit next year or whatever it is. But um, yeah, 9. so 4. I mean, I, yeah. nine point four. There you go. Yeah, so I, I think that we're uh, we're seeing it in action. And and to Miles's point, all these moves are with team control. We're not trading for aging bets that we've done in the past. 
right? This is allowing us to keep yep. these trades at a cheap rate when we get these guys. Uh, so we're not having to restructure the Eric Kendricks or the um, or uh, who's the other one that the other big one, uh, Dalvin Cook, right? He's no Dalvin Cook. Yeah, those are the two guys. Yep. Is it Dalvin? Okay, those are the two available. So uh, giving us the flexibility because I have mentioned it in a tweet earlier today that like we're stuck with Thielen and we're stuck with um, um, Harrison Smith for at least next year at minimum. And yep. and when I say stuck, it's not like the worst thing in the world. It's not like Harrison Smith's falling off a cliff or anything, right? But you don't have flexibility. If if Lewis Seen comes back and plays really, really well and Cam Bynum comes back and plays really, really well and we have Harrison Smith, we have no flexibility because we have mm-hmm. to keep him because of the cap hit uh, situation. So it, it's really important for us to keep that flexibility and I think he's doing a great job of that. And part of doing that is not bringing in expensive vets and bringing in these guys with multiple years of team control at a cheap Right. So let's let's transition if you guys are good with this, unless you have anything else to add on the TJ Hawkinson Quasi side of things. Um, I do, I do, I do real real quick. Yeah. So yeah, go for um, it. So the one thing that TJ TJ adds that I'm super excited about because we talked, we've been talking about all season. The one thing the Vikings offense has been missing is those explosive plays, and the, especially in the pass game. And TJ Hawkinson, so. Justin Jefferson has 23. So Spencer Thomas, um, friend of the show, friend of the kind of the pocket, great, great dude to follow on Twitter. He posted just like an hour ago, receptions of 20 plus yards um, for, you know, Vikings, wide, wide receivers and tight ends. Justin Jefferson has 23. Adam Thielen has two. KJ Osborne has one. Nobody else on the Vikings roster has any. And then you add TJ Hawkinson, who coming from Detroit has 11 of those, which is a really good number for a tight end. That's, that's an explosive playmaker. Um, you're adding that to this this offense. Now, my hope is like they they utilize that, right? It's not just uh, plug him in and let him do exactly what Irv was doing and, and you know, you're not asking him to be explosive. My hope is that he could be that explosive middle of the field um, you know, guy. He's, he's helping keep the safeties in the middle of the field and freeing up some of those opportunities for the guys on the outside, JJ, Adam Thielen, KJ Osborne, giving those guys opportunities to be a little bit more explosive because he threatens that middle of the field down the field and so I'm excited to see how KOC and I'm, my guess is KOC saw that too, as part of their, um, the reason they wanted to trade for Hawkinson too, is they knew they needed an, uh, a guy that could help stretch the field. And we've been talking like they need a receiver to do that. I still think they need a receiver to do that, but this is a really, really good consolation prize in the fact that he could do that in the middle of the field as good as anybody in the league right now. And so um, I think you're really going to ho- hopefully as we, as the season goes on first couple of weeks, you know, temper those expectations, for TJ, but um, I think as the season goes on, you're really going to see a little bit more explosion and explosive plays, especially in the middle of the field, and and obviously, hopefully, to the other playmakers that we have. Well, you've that, seen hey. you've seen across the web where his yak is astronomical yards after catch. He's second only behind um, Christian what's his face on the uh, Niners, the running back CDC Christian um, McCaffrey. Yeah. And he's got like 172 yards total after the catch. He's unbelievable after the catch. He's hard to tackle, and he's got wiggled. Now, granted, a couple of those were ginormous break breakout runs. One was an 80-plus yarder. Um, but he has that ability. We did not have that or did not see that from Irv up until this point. We do not see it from Johnny Munt. Um, we have yet to see 
hardly any of it from Adam Thielen or KJ so far. Mm-hmm. I think, like Miles said, that adds that extra bit that's going to cause defenses to, you know, change how they play. They're not going to be able to just keep a safety over the top of JJ all the time, or they're going to get burned in the intermediate range by TJ. I think this was a brilliant move. Yeah. Well, and, 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 and again, adding to that a little bit, and then I have some, a comment to say about Miles real quick. Um, <laughs> Is that is that again? This uh, you know, adding a adding a playmaking receiver would have been amazing, but that does only help you in the receiving for the most part, unless you get like a a, a great receiver who can also block on the outside. But TJ helps as a very very good receiver as well as a inline blocker, which is great. Now, Matt, we've known Miles for quite a few years. Look at the purple shirt, and like he's drinking something different tonight. I think it's the purple Kool Aid. I think it's the purple Kool-Aid he's drinking. Oh, this, is oh, the most this is the most positive I've ever seen Miles. They, uh, Miles is in team. on this season. Yeah, Miles is in It's on the this most season. positive. Hey, listen, listen. It's the most positive this team has been <laughs> in years. Like, honestly. Since 2009? 14? No. I liked 2009. I just didn't like the outcome, and I don't like the I didn't I like I didn't like the quarterback then, and I don't like him now. Um, well, goal TYA asks a question that yeah. plays into this. Does this feel Does this different team this feel- season? See, that's the part. So this is the part I'm I'm str- I've been struggling with is I don't know if they feel different, but you can tell the energy behind the team. They're doing things. They're they're finding the little areas that they weren't in the past to make sure that they're not losing some of the games that may, they might have let slip before, and that's yeah. a huge case. Obviously, they now have they've given themselves enough wiggle room at six and one, you know, to fix. Hopefully, obviously, we want to see them fix some of these mistakes, but they have some leverage and leeway now. If they drop a game or two, it's not the end of the world. You don't want to see it, but I wouldn't be surprised if a game gets dropped or two, uh, you know, a couple here or there. But they've given themselves that that cushion against the Packers, especially in the division. Um, you know, to if they needed to have a down game, you know, it's it's likely to happen at some point. So um, they've given themselves enough wiggle room. But the part where I struggle, like feeling different, is like I'm not sure how I'm still not sure how good this team is. But they've got me they've got me bought in. So that I guess like that's really all that matters right now is they're six yeah. and one, um, and got you optimistic. they're playing, yeah. Yeah, this that's season. all you can like. Honestly, that's that's all you can be. Like, I'm still waiting for the shoe to drop. I I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> but so like, so I'm, let, I'm, let I'm, me I'm, ask you a question. I'm, I'm, I'm way more optimistic than I than I have been in in, in years. Does this season remind you? Because for me, and I think I brought this up. Was it Sunday, Dave, with you and Jason? Maybe on the, on the final score. Um, this season reminds me of 2017. Um, not the talent wise on the roster, but just in just in the sense, it. just in the sense that like there was a point in that season where we just kept winning, and it was like how like how are we winning like with Case Keenum at quarterback? But the team was bought in; they they just kept winning until the NFC Championship game. So I I don't know. The vibe feels the same. I think the outcome will be different in the end, but. Uh, yeah, what I do you don't mean? know. You think it because it's going to be with a Super Bowl win, you purple Kool Aid drinkers over here? Hey, yeah. man. I'm always drinking that purple Kool Aid. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, this is probably a good time to to do a few things here. So, 
First off, I want to shout out uh, everybody in the comments tonight. Uh, we can tell that you're just as hyped up as we are. So keep those comments coming. Um, it's it's such a fun season. I, winning just makes everything better. Um, speaking of making things better, you can make your basement or your garage a lot better by uh, hitting up That's Badass Wood Art by our guy Luis. Um, and if you use Climb in the Pockets promo code, you get 20% off any one item. Uh, that is CTP or CT Pocket, sorry. Um, and that gets you 20% off. So make sure you head over to That's Badass Wood Art.com. Uh, order a piece. Christmas is around the corner. All the other holidays. We as need well. to get a piece. Matt, we got to we gotta get it. I know. I've dropped yeah. the ball. Um, yeah, I, I got to we'll get, get one on here. That. Look at we got this. We got this open spot right here. My uh, uh, bookshelf thing fell down today, so I need to fill I it with something better. Wide open spaces. Am, um, I'm sure my wife's gonna that, love one of those amazing wood art pieces in her kitchen. She's gonna love it. We've we've heard the uh, the listeners are ordering uh, using that promo code. So keep firing it up, guys, um, and and get yourself one because we will be getting one as well soon. Uh, two more topics here on the night, uh, and we'll start with with the aging veterans. We've talked about them quite a bit, um, but they've been a pleasant surprise. At least a few of them have been uh, through this season. So the, the two I want to talk about specifically are Patrick Peterson and Zadarius Smith. Now, Zadarius Smith isn't, he's aging, right? He is 30 years old um, and probably doesn't have many years left, I would assume. Um, but, you know, we're starting off, he's eight and a half. Uh, sacks on the year tied for first in the NFL 33 pressures which is tied second um, among defensive players and the best part about Zadarius Smith by the way and this is another uh, kudos to Kwesi uh, 11 and a half million dollars the Packers are paying him this year not us (laughs) Um, but then the flip side Patrick Peterson uh, 10 pass breakups on the season and it's tied for second in the NFL He's got the ninth best pro football focus grade among cornerbacks. Are you guys surprised by these veterans? Um, Did you expect a fall off or do you think a fallout is coming or do you think they sustain that? I mean, yeah, leaving it wide Uh, open for you. Yeah. I'll, I'll take the the first shot at this here, Miles. Um, Patrick Peterson's a surprise. I, I, I wouldn't say Zedaris Smith is a surprise. As long as that guy's healthy, I think he's a very, very good football player. And uh, again, he, he's got that dog mentality, you know, I love. And uh, and when, when you have that, you're gonna you're gonna be able to wreck some games. And he's doing exactly that. As long as he's healthy, he's gonna be doing that. Patrick Peterson is the surprise for me, honestly. At this point in time, and maybe I was really high on Andrew Booth preseason, like just when we drafted him that I was like, okay, by mid year, which is we're about mid year now. uh, I assumed that Patrick Peterson would have been supplanted by Booth and we would have Booth and Dantzler, the future of the cornerback room uh, starting by now, maybe Patrick Peterson rotating in. Um, But it's hard to put this guy, put this guy on the bench right now. I mean, he's playing well, Um, but I did hear that the Washington commanders were uh, putting, you know, notes and emails on his, on his chair saying that he's trash and he's old and, He's worth it. You gotta hype him up somewhere. Because whatever, whatever the whatever the Cardinals did, that really hyped him up, and we need we need that Patrick Peterson every week. So um, so I, I gotta yeah, I gotta figure out a way to to con uh, one of the the commanders uh, into to doing that. So no, I mean he's playing well. It's fun to watch. Um, it's fun to see him get all riled up against the Cardinals, and 
Um, playing yeah, with confidence, and, and again, for sure. Play, playing with confidence, but only not only that, but he's still being a great mentor to some of these young guys. So when yeah. Andrew Booth does need to come in, when uh, a Caleb Evans needs to come in, hopefully they're going to be able to be in a position where they've watched, they've observed, they've been able to, to kind of see how he's been playing, and hopefully they mm-hmm. can replicate at least to a certain extent. Yeah. Miles, what about you? You surprised by these by these veterans? Um, no, uh, I'm not. I'm not surprised by Zadarius Smith. Like like Brian said, him healthy. He's a, he's a you know top tier edge rusher. Um, so I'm not surprised, and especially since he's coming to uh, a team and a defense that he knows you know and was you know built in with Green Bay. So um, that that part isn't surprising to me. It's the uh, and and Patrick Peterson the. Patrick Peterson in man coverage is not the same guy Patrick Peterson in man coverage was, you know, three, four years ago. That guy's not there anymore. But and and obviously the Cardinals game was a little bit more incentive. Like that dude, that dude had a chip on his shoulder. You can hear him talking shit. I love that, by the way. I am that kind of energy from from a player on defense. We haven't seen that in a while. I love that. Like that's my that's my vibe. I love I love shit talking. Like I love hearing Vikings players talk shit. And so Garrett Bradbury getting a penalty for for telling it to be soft. <laughs> Taunting. Was funny. Was, funny, was funny to me. But, like, Patrick Peterson, so the one thing hey, I'll say Hey, about hold him on is real quick, I, Miles. Miles, Miles, real quick. What? Just because you brought up Bradbury, and then you can keep going on Patrick Peterson. Hey, that dude's a surprise <laughs> this year. If anyone, he's the surprise this year because he's actually playing pretty well. All right, you go on. No, I, I don't disagree. Um, but I actually kind of expected it for Bradbury just because of the new scheme and, and stuff. But anyways. Um, with Patrick Peterson, I what well, the reason I'm not surprised is because I, it's not that I don't think he's he's not playing well. I think he's playing well. I don't think he's playing as well as some people think. I but I do think the the, the defense helps mask some of that. Like the we're still giving up a lot of yards, giving up you know a lot of big plays. Um, and like I said, Peterson isn't the same guy he has been in man coverage. So when he gets put on an island against most explosive receivers, he's struggling. Um, which was expected, right? So, I, I he's not a liability. I'm not. I'm not trying to call him a liability. Not not by any means, Roger. But I'm. I'm what I'm saying is, I, he's he's not like I think fans saw on Sunday, and I, I thought I don't I don't think we've seen Patrick Peterson play that well in years, like the way he did on Sunday. Um, but I don't think that's sustainable for him. But that's okay. He's still playing at, at a good enough level um, that this team is um, is doing well. And my hope is. Um, that they still can get some of those young guys rotated in because I, I think they're still going to need that experience um, at some at some point, and it doesn't have to be for Peterson either. It could be Dancer, could be um, could be for uh, Chandler, Chandler uh, Sullivan. But like, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, that, that's kind of where I'm at with and, Peterson. I think he's playing. I think he's playing well though. Yeah, and, and part of the reason why Peterson looks so good on Sunday though is I think for almost every snap. Um, DeAndre Hopkins was lined up on the left side of the offense yeah, uh, on yep, cha- on yep. on uh, Dancer's side. So, I mean, not not to talk crap on on Peterson because you know again he played a really really great game. But um, if he was going up against Hopkins, we might be having a different discussion today. And if you listen to Patrick yep. Peterson on his podcast today, he is still fired up. Good. Yep. Good. They have no reason not to be. Um, so, 
I think I think we're I think we're settled on the aging vets. I think I think we're all in the in the same boat. But I want to talk about some problem children that we have on our team. Um, they've they've kind of had uh, the yips maybe in the last few games. Uh, first one being Ed Ingram. Um, he just kind of looks lost out there. And then the other one, which he was hyped all training camp by our special teams coordinator, uh, Greg Joseph. Uh, a couple misses. So what do we do with these guys? I mean, I, I don't think this regime is going to outright cut Greg Joseph uh, like the last regime probably would have done, but they can't, some, they can't cut Greg Joseph. They can't, they, they can't afford to cut Greg Joseph. That's the, that's the difficult part. Like maybe they sign a guy um, to the practice squad. If it, if it continues to get worse, but he's got a guaranteed $2.4 million, you know, contract for Joseph. So, you're you're not cutting him and saving any money, so that's the that's the hard part. You're losing you're losing cap space that you already don't have. Um, so yeah. You got to fix him. It, are you, are it's you cons- probably something yep. simple, and you got to fix. Him. You got to hey, figure I, out what that is and fix it. I'm watch I'm watching these videos of Gabe Burkich. I know we cut him already, but man, that guy's hitting all these field goals on Twitter right now, and I I'm like, hey, let's give him a, give him another try. But <laughs> the, no, the, I the best kicker the best kickers in the world are the ones that kick on on social media. Uh, yeah, because they yeah. don't have a job. They don't have a job. There's no pressure, so they're making them. Yeah, no. Uh, I, I want to give Ed Ingram a little bit of a break. I, it's a recency okay. bias. It's a recency bias that we go through right now. He just had the worst game of his young career, right? He was going up against J.J. Watt. Now, I know J.J. Watt is not the 2012 or 2013 Defensive Player of the Year J.J. Watt uh, today. But the dude's still a baller. He's one of the better defenders in our generation of, of watching football, right? And, and he just went against Ed Ingram and, and destroyed him. He did. Um, he made his life a living hell. But let's give him a little bit of a break, right? Like the guy just went against one of the better defenders in the league. And while I'm not sitting here saying, oh, Ed Ingram has been amazing in every game other than against J.J. Watt, because he's obviously had his, um, you know, ha- had his issues, but he still shows a lot of promise. He does play relatively well in most situations. He had a horrible game on Sunday. But let's continue to use that as a learning opportunity to say, hey, this is what happened. This is what went wrong. How do we continue to fix it? And that's offensive line coach's job. I don't think the answer is switching to Chris Reed, who's inactive for a reason. I don't think the issue, I don't think the solution was trying to go and grab Austin Corbett in free or in a trade. You gotta let a young second round pick go through these issues. And, and figure it out. And if he can't figure it out after a year or two, obviously we cut bait. But we got to give him an opportunity to continue to learn. And, it, and if you watch his film, yes, he got destroyed by J.J. Watt. And J.J. Watt is an outstanding defensive tackle in this league, obviously. Um, yeah. But he also had good reps against him numerous times. It wasn't 100% he got trashed. Yeah, there was more times than you want. I mean, anytime you see a lineman get burned, you think, oh, my God, right? But it usually only happens one or two or three times a game. If the rest of the game's fine, he's okay, right? That's mm-hmm. that's normal. Now, for Ed, it's more than one or two or three times. He's learning how to handle stunts. He's learning how to – we talked about J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt 
isn't the player he used to be, but he's still got the brain of the player he used to be. And when he saw Ed Ingram come up a little high, he said, I got him beat. And he went down low and went across, right? That's because he's old and he's wise and he knows what to do. Patrick Peterson's doing the same thing. Even though he's playing more zone versus man-in-man, he's using that brain that he still has. Ed Ingram is going to learn. And, yes, the coach needs to <clears throat> pardon me, get with him, and they need to work on the touchy-feely stuff to learn you know, when to put a hand out for feeling, when to set and pop, and when to keep his feet moving and keep square up. But he can do that. That's that's coaching. He has the ability. We've seen him do it. He has the physical skills. Let him learn through this because he's going to come out better on the other side. Mm-hmm. The hard part yeah. is the hard part is you're not going to get the coaching isn't going to be greatly impacted in the middle of the season. That's the hard part. Uh, that's, you're not going to be able it, to fix. It's a hard. You're not going to be able to fix a lot of it in, in the middle of the season. But the hope the hope is it's the mental stuff. You need to make sure the mental stuff isn't happening because. Mm-hmm. The, the physical stuff, as a rookie, he's going to go through those growing pains. He's going to get bullied. Those types of things are going to happen to a rookie. But it's the mental stuff that you need to make sure that you at least clear up. Look at look at you guys. Just full of optis, uh, optimism and just like great critiques. Like just night and day difference from a year ago. I'm, I'm proud of you guys, well, by the way. Well, the, the funny part. So real quick, Matt, we had a comment that said – Eventually, some team won't turn the ball over. Um, and, you know, where is it? Where was it? Commit consecutive penalties. I'm, I'm still worried about <laughs> – yeah. Well, and I'm still worried about, like, the sustainability of winning these one-score games because eventually they'll even out. That same thing yeah. happened last year, but in reverse. We started off losing those those one-score games, but then we ended up winning those games toward the late, later part of the season. I'm not saying the Vikings are going to do, <laughs> do that. I think they're they're too, too well coached. I think – the team is playing too well to like completely bottom out at that point. But again, I'm I'm still holding. I'm I'm still I still wouldn't be surprised if they dropped a few games that we we wouldn't expect them to drop because of some of the things that they've gotten away with in the start of the season. Now, if they clean yeah. that up, then it's a, then it's a wrap. This team this team could be a top three to you know two seed one seed if you know if the Eagles you know lose a couple games. So the the Vikings are obviously in the driver's seat to be a top three seed in the in mm-hmm. the NFC right now. Yeah, and and to, to kind of go along with that too, Miles, though, is that, you know, we're learning uh, as we go, right? So we're learning how to win mm-hmm. these tight games, which we were losing last year. And, and and you sit here and you look at, like, a game like Washington. This isn't a cakewalk game. Like, I mean, winning games in the end, I, I think Kirk had mentioned mm-hmm. this in a, in a post-game conference and <laughs> quoting Kirk Cousins. It's funny. <laughs> this is a, an interesting You're a year. Uh, man, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, I'm a changed man. Uh, but <laughs> winning games in the NFL is hard. It it is a hard thing to do. And like, you look at this Washington uh, Commanders team; they are fighting for their lives in a very tough division that they're in. They have a they have a backup. I mean, the, the, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that they're the 2017 Vikings, but they got nothing to lose. They got a backup quarterback who's a gunslinger who is just going to throw the ball as best as he possibly can and hope that they win the game. Kick down doors. Yep, they have a a good defense. Uh, Somebody had mentioned uh, the trenches uh, that they they present with John Payne and Jonathan Allen. Their D-line's good. Yeah, yeah, they got Chase Young. I mean, you know, it's going to be a challenge here. So how do we adjust? How can we 
take this opportunity and make it a win, right? And mm-hmm. and and that's going to be the challenge this week, and and it's going to be through thorough coaching and thorough um, game planning and execution, which to this point we've done. Have we been? Absolutely. Have we gotten to a point where we're like, gosh, this team's going to fold? Absolutely. And then the fourth quarter comes, and this defense stiffens up. This offense comes alive. And I, you know, maybe that's our formula right now. We hang in until it's it's game time, and then we go right. Who yeah. knows how it how it goes? But we're stacking up wins as we continue to learn how to be a great team. And we're not a great team. We're still learning. We're a good team. We're an average team. We're a good team. We're a good team that is six and one, which makes us look like a great team. But we're still learning how to to get these stack these wins while we learn. That's the best case scenario you can do for a competitive rebuild. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you you see the potential. You know all the weapons we have. You see that once this gets fine-tuned and even better, we should be be able to go out there and score lots of points, and hopefully the defense prevents lots of points being scored, and we get better and better. We all see there's room for improvement, right? Yep. And we're still 6-1, and and there's room for improvement. And if as long as we keep on that trajectory, we're setting up great for December. January, hopefully February. Yeah, yeah. Um, we we've flown through the the topics for today. So before we get into uh, our our predictions for the end of the show here, uh, Aaron threw a comment in our chat, and I'll I'll float it by you quick, just because we cruise through. Um, OBJ, what do you guys think about potentially? bringing him on board do you think do you think i mean kwasi has been aggressive do you think that's a move that he would make late in the season because what we're hearing right is he probably wouldn't be ready to play till maybe even december um so yeah i'll float that and then we'll we'll hit predictions the hard part with obj is that he's worth more and people are probably willing to pay him more than what we can afford so the only way we can probably make it work is if we do some of these restructures that we've talked about, which we tr- want to try to avoid because of, again, future cap things. Now, yep. if you're sitting here and looking at um, the, the one big piece we can, the one big piece that I'm comfortable extending or not extending, but uh, restructuring is Brian O'Neill because he is the future of our right tackle. They're going to they're gonna have to do that anyways. Well, right. Sure. Yeah, exactly. I mean, here's the thing is, yeah, to Miles's point, we, we're going to have to restructure somebody be, because the way our team is structured at the moment, we're going to go over the cap at some point. So we, it's a Darius Smith roster. Go, uh, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead. Uh, so Zadarius Smith and uh, Daniel Hunter have in-game or like um, uh, game bonuses from here on they out. They have incentives. Yep. Yeah, they have incentives and, and bonuses that will put us over the cap if we don't restructure. So we're going to have to restructure somebody. It's going to be Brian O'Neill mm-hmm. because he's the future of their right tackle position. So are we comfortable enough with Eric Hendricks' play right now and think that he can continue that play for the next three, four years, probably three years, I would say, to be able to extend him through through where he's at? Now, he's playing well. I'm not going to sit here and say he's not. Um, but are you comfortable? I mean, gosh. Oh, I was with, I was at the game with my son this uh, with my son this week, and when whatever that attempt at tackle was uh, with, with that big long Rondale Moore uh, touchdown, when he tried to force the fumble. <laughs> my son heard a, quite a few swear words that he shouldn't have heard uh, <laughs> at, uh, directed directly towards Eric Hendricks. But 
can he can he keep up his relatively great play that he's been doing? Uh, and can he do that for the next two to three years? And if if we if we say yes, then maybe we can create enough cap space for an Odell Beckham on a probably a multi-year contract, honestly, because we need to figure out a way to lower the cap hit this year and then allow him to uh, take a bigger cap hit in the years following. So I, I don't see it happening. But also, KJ's fine. And Adam Thielen is getting open still. And we added TJ Hawkinson. I would love an Odell Beckham. I would love. I would have loved a KJ Hamler. I would have loved a Jerry Judy. Um, but but that's not our situation right now with uh, with the cap situation. So I don't necessarily see it happening. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, that's all we have for tonight's show outside of predictions. So. Um, well, let's fly into that. Every week, uh, we do a prediction at the end of the show, and uh, we've attempted to get a media guest to pop on for a short second and give us theirs as well. We've had Thor Nystrom, we've had Chris Thomason, we've had Judd Zolgad, we've had Arif Hassan, we've had former Lions All-Pro Safety Glover Quinn, and this week, we have Declan Goff of Score North. Okay. What's going on, Vikings Happy Hour? Declan Goff here from Score North, the clickbait officer of Vikings Twitter. Uh, here to give you a little prediction for my guy, Matt. Matt made it onto Score North Twitter uh, today, so congrats, Matt. And sorry for not asking you permission, because apparently that's uh, how it works when you slap people's graphics on tweets. But score prediction for Vikings and Commanders. So I'm actually a pretty big Taylor Heineke guy. I think those guys play hard for Taylor Heineke, and I also can't stand Carson Wentz, so I'm glad to see Heineke succeed. That being said... I think Kirk still gets into Washington. Uh, the Vikings cover that three-and-a-half-point spread, and the Vikings win 28-20. Another one-possession game. Maybe the Vikings actually aren't trailing in the second half for once, but 28-20, Vikings win. Thank you, Declan. Uh, did we lose Miles? Yeah, we did. Yeah. Miles had to run. Miles had to run here, so we don't get to hear his prediction this week, but – but I mean, hey, he you know, he's, got, he's got the young kids, man. You know, they're, no, they're no, all, that's, that all is, bedtime routines. And, and that's a okay. Yeah. We know he picked the Vikings to win, right? We saw how optimistic. I mean, you he saw was the purple tonight. Kool-Aid that he was drinking I know. tonight. Yeah, I know. He was always. He's I, hey, by the way, this is the most ever smiles in the years I've. I think we're kind of losing you there, but I, I think I heard the gist of it. So, oh. um, no, just most optimistic in the years I've known him. I mean, for sure. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Oh yeah. Um, I think I think it helps because I think Miles had grown tired of of the old regime and how predictable they came became. Um, I think he's he's all in because I think he likes I think he likes the head coach. I think he likes the GM. I think he likes the the young pieces that they've built and that they actually seem to know what they're doing instead of making panic moves and uh, addressing things when it's like you know at the last possible second. So I, I get why he's a little bit more excited now. But uh, moving back on to predictions, Ryan, what do you have for Sunday's game versus the Washington Commanders? Donnie has a great prediction: forty-one donut. <laughs> um, I would love that. That's a great prediction, actually. Um, so, honestly, I didn't do my research on this because I typically like to look at the line here. So I'm pulling it up as as I talk out of my ass right now. 
Um, so it's a worth three and a half point favorites uh, currently right now. Forty three and a half. Forty three and a half points over under. Yeah. Uh, you know that, that that's good. Um, you know, I think last week it was a it was a close over under, or it was a close. Um, I think we were only like three point favorites. We ended up winning by eight. And I think I called that, or I think I called like a, a touchdown or a little over a touchdown victory. And I think I'm yeah. going to do the same this week. So okay, I, I think I, I think that this game, um, like Patrick Peterson, who had a chip on his shoulder last week, I think Kirk's going to say, "Hey, you franchise tag me twice." And Let's I'm go. not the guy for you. And now you're trotting on Taylor Heineke. Respect. I love Tyler, Taylor Heineke. But he ain't Kirk Cousins. So I'm going to say Kirk's going to have a great game this week. And I'm going to say we do a – we're going to put up 38. And they're going to put up 27. 38-27. Let's go. go. Let's go. And by the way, Kirk Cousins is very, very close to passing Dante Culpepper all time on the Vikings touchdown passing list. Could Ooh, happen this week against his former team. Mm-hmm. I saw more love for Dante, but I, I do because he was drafted by us. That's probably the only reason. <laughs> and because, you know, Randy Moss and, and that that role, man, that was the best. Like that was so fun. I know. All right. Those are the glory days. Um Dave, what do you have for a prediction on Sunday? Well first off, Kirk's gonna keep keep his touchdown streak going. I say like Ryan, we scored the points we missed last week. It's going to be 38-21. I think we blow away that uh, spread. Okay. Okay. I've, um, I've been hey, – I've watched a game in that stadium. That stadium is going to probably be 60% purple or better. Yeah. It's, well, it's hopefully not our, hopefully our Hopefully our friend at CDP, Deshaun Bond, makes his way over there because I know he's a local over there somewhere. Uh, I might. So I'm not picking Washington to beat us. But it's supposed to be rainy, I'm pretty sure, on Sunday. Oh, um, and we all know right. that how that right. we all know how that Washington field holds up. I don't think the defensive line for Washington is a joke. I think that they're, you know, pretty legit. Um I think I think Vegas has it right. I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be a pretty close game. In fact, I'd probably take the under um, if uh, if I was if I was a betting man. But we don't have that in Minnesota. I'm gonna go 21. Mm, I'm gonna go 20 to 17, and the Viking fans have to hold their breath as Greg Joseph lines up for a game-winning field goal. So wait, 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 wait. So we don't even cover the spread. You're pulling a Thor Nystrom right now. My, I don't think so. I I don't think so. I don't. It's horrible. Golly! Oh come on! You're you're supposed to be the uh, purple optimist over here. Hey, I said we'd win. We'll we'll get Matt on on uh, the post game show, the final score, and ragging. You know what, Matt? Mary Fisk deserves better for me. She deserves better from you. She came out tonight, and she joined us tonight, and you're giving her a we're not even covering the spread. Come on. Hey, man. Hey, man. Don't shoot the messenger. But You're probably right, though. We're all close game. It's all close game. It's, it's more of a gut feeling. Um, 
something's got to give, right? In one way or the other. And I hope I'm wrong, right? I hope I, I hope they blow them out, and that's that's the what gave, right? They're just a mm-hmm. better offensive team and everything. But I don't know, man. It's we'll see, we'll see. But I'm confident. <laughs> I'm confident in this game. And honestly, this is a trap game. It really is a trap game for sure. Um, this is probably the biggest trap game we've had so far. Um, and yeah, I, I, but I, I, for whatever reason, I just have to. We can feel that. that way as fans, but as long as the team is focused, we're golden. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that was a, uh, a very fun show tonight. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I, I hope that this time next week, we're sitting here talking about the seven and one Minnesota Vikings heading to face Stefan Diggs and the Buffalo Bills, which I'm going to. Um, it's going to be a blast. So, uh, Ryan, thank you so much for coming on tonight. Miles, if you listen back to the show, thank you. Um, Dave, as always, thank you for producing. For everybody in the chat, holy cow, you were fantastic tonight. Love the comments. If you haven't, head over to our YouTube channel, like, subscribe, turn on notifications whenever we go live. We are here at Vikings Happy Hour every single Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Central. Um, and that's all I have. Uh, Dave, uh, Lake Monster, is... Lake Monster, oh, that's oh, yeah. badass wood art. I appreciate all of y'all. You guys uh, <laughs> keep, our, keep our show alive with some sponsorship here, and I appreciate it. Um, yes. You guys, guys, this is late, great weather in Minnesota. You got to go check out Lake Monster. I know that they got some heaters out there. If it's a little chilly at night, got to go check it out. Great beer. Uh, that's badass. What art? I'm getting one right here. I'm gonna make my wife buy me one for Christmas. So you know, we, we got to do it. We, we, we got to do it. All right. You go check out those pages. Go check out those um, establishments. Fantastic stuff. All right. And then, and you got me and Darren Campbell, your two old bloggers, on Saturday at 4 p.m. Central. We will be looking at the T.J. Hawkinson trade a little bit differently than has been done so far this week. We're both pleased to let you know there's a sneak peek. We will break down that Washington Commanders game, the revenge on Taylor Heineke, and uh, we'll go on from there. And then, of course, Sunday, in the final two minutes, we go live. Matt will join me and maybe Jason, whoever else. I can join. Oh, cool. Click it. And everybody. uh, And we'll talk how the Vikings did. And like uh, Ryan and I said, they should be scoring up to uh, 38 points, and we'll be giddy and having a great time. Till then, what do we say, guys? Skull Vikings. Skull Vikings. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell, and feel free to rate us on your favorite aggregator. A big shout-out goes to our partners, The Daily Norseman, where the best Vikings content can be found. To That's Badass Wood Art, when you're looking for something unique to brighten your space. And to Lake Monster Brewing, home of the best beer in Minnesota. Skull, everybody! Skull!